Father Patty, who is our pastor now, when he joined us, he had this vision in his heart for parish renewal. So he came in and he began to speak about being on mission and renewal. And um, and I was perplexed by it in many ways because I felt, you know what? Our parish is pretty good. We are busy. We've got lots of events. If you come to our parking lot any day of the week, you'll see it packed. So what do you mean renewal? I think we're doing pretty good. <laughs> Welcome to the Ron Huntley Leadership Podcast, helping leaders be a positive catalyst on the people they support, the organizations they serve, and the communities they live. This podcast will make you think, laugh, and grit your teeth with new determination to make your parish or business a place of transformation, passion, and purpose. If you're still breathing, you are power for impact. Welcome to the show. And if this is your first time, my name is Ron Huntley and I am your host. Our Powered for Impact podcast was already in the top 10% of podcasts globally. And yet in the last 12 months, it has doubled Thank you for taking the time to comment, to share, and to rate the show five stars every time you listen. That small gesture feeds the algorithms that get this podcast in front of potential listeners. Thank you. Today's episode is rich with wisdom and experience of a lay leader who has served on the leadership team. Christina Fullen's energy and joy is only matched by her honesty and humility. Christina is from Our Lady of Mount Carmel in New Jersey and is one of the first 20 parishes I'd ever had the opportunity to coach. We were together for about four years. Christina is amazing. Enjoy this episode. Lift off and the clock has started. In the work that I do with churches in, in different parts of the world, one of the common themes that comes up time and time again is that communications is an issue, which always makes me laugh because communication is complex. In my coaching, one of the people that I've really enjoyed working with and started working with right from the beginning of this whole concept of coaching into parish is Christina Folan. Christina is the Director of Communications and Evangelization at her parish in New Jersey. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Ron. It's a great honor to be here with you. <laughs> one of the things that that I do find interesting is communications, again, because it is complicated, but tell us a little bit about how you got involved in communications at your parish. Sure. So I think, gosh, it must be probably close to 14 years ago or so. Um, you know, my children, I, I had stopped working. I used to work at AT&T, you know, my previous life, and I had actually retired from that corporate life to stay home with my children, our children. And um, as they began to get a little older, I wanted to just kind of help supplement some income, you yeah. know, to our home. And um, I, I was teaching a little bit of music here and there. I really didn't want a whole lot of responsibility. And the pastor at the time, you know, I, I was involved in ministry here at Notre Dame, but he just called me, you know, through the pastoral associate and like, gee, Christina, what is it that you do? Because we kind of need some help here at the parish office. And, um, and I said, well, that's great. You know, I, I could give, you know, I could help out. And they said, you know, it's really more administrative in nature. And I, I, I was like, great, you know, but 
I can't work in the summertime and I can't be here before nine. I got to leave by three. And if there's a concert <laughs> at the school, I won't be there. And I had all these requirements of what I couldn't do. And he said, you know, let's give it a try. It'll be part time. We'll give it a try. If six months, if it doesn't work for you, no hard feelings. And we'll just keep on going. It doesn't work for us. We'll do the same. So fast forward, <laughs> fast forward till today. And, um, you know, at the beginning, that position was really, again, more administrative in nature. I was gotcha. actually, my email still remains com support. So it was a supporting role to communications. And gotcha. it was very focused on uh, supporting really the promotion of events at the parish. The yeah. flyers, the calendar, the schedule, you know, all of that. Very, very administrative and tied with a lot of logistics. But, you know, that, of course, has journeyed forward into a totally that something that's really very, very different than what it was then. And so the support so came on part time. I love how your pastor. Took a risk on you first found out what you do, pitched you something and then was saying, hey, well, let's give it a try. Like what a great attitude, because when you find somebody that you believe in, giving it a try is a great idea because then it gives both both parties an out. What and allows everybody to save face. And I really like that approach and good on them to, to yeah. capture you because you're a, you're, you're an amazing woman with tons of gifts and, and passion and commitment. And so how did that evolve over time? Like at what point did, did communications become a priority and begin to shift? Yeah. Well, what ended up happening was as the children got older, I was able to invest more time and more energy into what I was doing. And okay. I actually began using quite a bit of the experience that I had from my previous jobs, you know? So I had some experience in website design. I had experience in strategy, you know, demand analysis and forecasting, lots of different things. And I, so I started like, you know what? We could make this better. Um, let's enhance our website. Uh, let's get some online registration forms. Uh, you know, just things like that. And also the asks, oh, gee, Christina, we really need some assistance with this and we need some assistance with that. And began to be part of conversations with ministry leaders and all of that. And it just kept on growing. Relationships were building. And, you know, I was beginning to really pour my heart and soul into what I was doing. And it just evolved, evolved, evolved. But I, I think a turning point, honestly, was the moment that we uh, began to get involved mm -hmm. with divine renovation, you know, and, mm -hmm. and through your coaching, uh, because Father Patty, who is our pastor now, when he joined us, he had this vision in his heart for parish renewal. So he came in and he began to speak about being on mission and renewal. And um, and I was perplexed by it in many ways because I felt, you know what? Our parish is pretty good. We are busy. We've got lots of events. If you come to our parking lot any day of the week, you'll see it packed. So what do you mean renewal? I think we're doing pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But um, you know, but I, I believed in him. I really did. And I was exciting about doing something new, doing something different and pouring even more passion into what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, so he really led us to connect with divine renovation. And thus, you know, the coaching with you, Ron, began. 
And I think it was really that experience that really began to to turn my heart, you know, and to offer me a new perspective because, you know, unless unless my heart is transformed, unless I see things differently, it's going to be very difficult for our ministries and our people to begin to see opportunity and to begin to consider something different. So we kind of had to go through our own change, our own transformation before we could even consider doing all the things that we wanted to do. You know, we want more parishioners. We want more this. We want more that. But you kind of were like, well, hold on a minute. You know, those things can come, but let's work a little bit on you and your team and all of that. And, And that was, you know, it was different. It was definitely a different approach. Nothing we really had done before. And it was very enlightening, extremely enlightening. How so? Um, you know, you you really focused us on taking a close look at ourselves as people, our gifts, our talents, our challenges, and how we operated as a team. You know, I recall specifically an exercise that you did with us, which you asked all of us on the leadership team to think about, you know, I, I recall the sandwich approach, you know, which was think about two positive things about each, you know, each of the people on the team. Think about a couple of challenges about dealing with this person and then sandwich it with something positive again, something that you really love about this person. And as you're saying this, I'm thinking, I'm going to have to tell these people bad things about them. You know, my heart was like, how is this even going to happen? How am I going to tell my pastor what I find challenging about him or my next door office mate? Or, you know, it, it, it was scary. Quite frankly, it was scary. And we each had to take a turn. And so the exercise began and we began speaking And we all, you know, I I guess through the grace of the Holy Spirit, did it in a very kind and beautiful way with, with great love and compassion for each other. And what was amazing was that when it came to the challenging parts about dealing, like, for example, what they felt was a challenge to deal with me specifically, Ron, that was not a shock. I knew all along that ah, yes, those, those are areas that I have difficulty with, you know, Mm -hmm. but they had the same opportunity. Each of us had the same opportunity. And what I loved about it was that sense of love and trust that we were able to walk away with. It really, really helped us come together as a leadership team. I, I treasure, really treasure that turning point. And, and it really began a journey of focusing on self and even my own journey, my own transformation, mm. um, as opposed to making everything else that I was doing the priority and trying to change everybody else and trying to change right. the culture and trying to change the people and trying to change how ministries were operating. Yeah, there's some of that that needed to happen, but there was a lot of work that I needed to do personally, you know, and, and it, I'm still doing that. You know, it's it's work in progress. There's always opportunity to grow. So, yeah, that that was something that was really quite a turning point for me. Thank you for sharing that. That's really neat to hear. You know, I I think I tweeted not that long ago, you know, who God wants to become is even more important than what he wants us to do. Mm -hmm. And so it's out of becoming that, that the fruit, the sustainable fruitfulness of our life really 
uh, can take direction that's easier to be led by the Holy Spirit. But I love how you said that because I was, and we were talking a little bit before we hit the play uh, record button. You know, I went through a period in my life where, and I was young, so we're talking about your son, uh, who's wonderful and 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 just has such a passion for for social justice and just a real heart for people. I just love that. I had my own particular things that I was passionate about. And when I looked at the church, um, I struggled because I thought it was everybody else's job. And, and I realized God wanted to do a work in me. He'd given me a passion and was asking me to lay it down in love and service of others. And and that's not how I was receiving it for the longest time Mm -hmm. because he wanted to transform me and then put me to work. And, and that's what I'm hearing from you as you're sharing. So you're just such a competent person in business. You had these experiences and skills that you were able to bring to the table and everything else. Your church sounds like it was really busy and successful on mm-hmm. any possible measurement. And yet Father Patty comes in with this passion for renewal. And you know, the humility and the curiosity to, to instead of fight against it and rally against it, to risk, to trust him. And to go on this journey together. Mm-hmm. And that journey, it sounds like it started within and then began to, yeah. Yeah, very much so. And, and you know, what's really beautiful about it, it, it's that it's a transformation or a journey that you experience that it's going to impact not just my work here at Notre Dame, but like all aspects of my life. Because, you know, when you gain that sensitivity, you gain that awareness of heart you know, you begin to spread that or at least share it with those around you, you know? So like, I'll give you a quick example. Strength Finder, you know, Strength Finder was a a huge eye opener for me personally. You know, I, I love that. I loved learning about my strengths and also uh, when they go on overdrive, you know, that was the part that I needed to, to work on. And so that really was very eye opening for me. And I, I loved it. And then, so I was talking about it at home with Ken, like, you got to do this strengths finder. You got to do this strengths finder. It's awesome. It's awesome. And he did it. And it was like an eye opener for me, for him, you know, I'm like, no wonder, no wonder he's the way he is. And by the way, realizing that, ouch, you know, it wasn't him. It was me. (laughs) And then talking it up with our kids, you know, so we got all three of them to do Strengths Finder and how that really has helped our family in communication has been amazing. And I love it. I'll, I'll, I'll talk anybody into doing Strengths Finder because I think it's just such a blessing, you know? I think you just did. I think our listeners are Googling Strengths Finders right now. I love it. I love it. I love it. I always say it's like, you know, we bring up this list to God, like the things we want God to change in other people, you know, like, God, these are the things I want Ken to change, you know? And God comes back and he says, Christina, thank you so much for that list. Here's the list that I have for you. <laughs> Let's worry about that one. <laughs> oh, I love you. You're so humble. It's and it's so true. That's ever that's all of our experience. If we have the humility to go to to look in the mirror and, and look at our own attitudes, behaviors, beliefs. Mm. And so good on you. That just shows this beautiful teachability and docility with the Holy Spirit to be able to trust God enough to 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 take us through our own upgrades and <laughs> it's cringing nonetheless you know 
<laughs> oh, trust me. I'm so aware of that myself. <laughs> I'm so aware of that. My my overdrives and my strengths certainly cause waves in, in teams and situations. And I have to get pretty good at apologizing and owning mm. my stuff. And that's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy. But I think, you know, when we think about vulnerability based trust, it really is about having the courage and the humility to own your stuff, own your impact yeah. when it isn't what you had hoped or intended. Yeah. And until we get to that place, people find it hard to trust us. If we're working yeah. out of our intellect, out of our, our, our natural strengths and experiences from work or skills, and we don't get to that place where we can own who we are and our impact on others, then, then teams remain working groups. They don't ever become high performance teams. Yeah. Yeah. And I really appreciate that. Appreciated that Ron in your coaching uh, was that focus on, on team and how we were working with each other and operating together because, you know, we can easily tend to focus on the things that we have to do on the end product and the strategies and the tasks and all of that. But disregard how we're working together. And I, I think it's a little bit like prayer as well. You know, that can be like the first thing that as much as we say, yeah, prayer is really crucial. We might let that go off because we've got other things to do. And I think if we're not concerned, you know, when how we're working as a team, how we're supporting each other, loving each other and challenging each other, um, it's going to impact our ability to be effective in the other areas that we want to really impact you know, so yeah, it's, it's really important. That's a good point. How, how did you find, how did you find that team experience evolve? Can you share, can you share any insights on that? Yeah, I, I think we began to, to really function better with each other because we understood each other's strengths, you know, as part of the strengths finder, we also understood each other's strengths. Oh, this is why Jean is the way she is. And these are her strengths, you know, mm -hmm. and same with Father Patty or Yvette at the time, you know, and now with Laura. So you're really aware that those folks have gifts that I don't have. And unless we rely on each other, we're not going to be able to, to be as in, impactful as we want to be. So, mm -hmm. you know, just to give you a quick example, um, Jean and I, Jean, who used to be part of our team as well, in having conversations with ministry leaders, you know, she usually dealt with some ministries, I dealt with some others, but we began to see that there were qualities about her and qualities about me that we needed to kind of team together in bringing people into Hello. conversation, you know, so for example, um, you know, Jean, the achiever, she really wanted to get things done. And if she was meeting with someone who was a little bit more sensitive, you know, she would be like, Christina, can I invite you to be part of this conversation? You know, and I would, and it was wonderful because, you know, we would provide a little bit of balance to that person. And the same, the other way, you know, if I needed help with strategic decisions and things of that nature, Jean was always there for me, you know, because she's the, that was her gift. That was her strength, you know? And so, oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And when you invite somebody to be like that, just that's just such a healthy, mature way of addressing mission, right? It's like it's, it's not about me; it's about the mission. And so, whatever's what tools do I have to? How do I need to approach this to get the best outcome? Yeah. And, and so I love that. But the whole idea of of you 
you know, probably bringing your soft skills into that relationship where she could be more strategic and more to the point. Correct. Um, was that ever hard for you to do? Um, was it hard to do? No, I, I welcomed it. it? One, yeah. I, I really did. I, I loved it. I loved the collaboration. And by the way, it was helping me grow also, you know, um, and, and I have to say that it, it wasn't necessarily easy either because right. activator is one of my top strengths. You know, it's, I believe it's my number two and it's pretty strong. Father Patty's always, oh, the activator, the activator. <laughs> so I want to get things done, but that means that I can also neglect inviting other people into what I'm doing, you know, so I, I needed to be, and I still need to be more team oriented. What are uh, I need to be five? very mindful. Um, I have connectedness, mm-hmm. activator, empathy, belief, and developer. Hmm. Neat. Yeah. Love it. Love it. It's because activator is uh, an influencing theme. And so that's neat that your belief is executing. And so um, when I'm hearing that, because I have activator as well. So I often think about things and I always think about things in terms of others and getting things done or, Mm -hmm. or starting things. And so I wonder if that's your belief too, and you're executing themes. I don't, I don't know. That's kind of neat. It's neat. It is so yeah. much fun. It's so, it's so exciting and fun yeah, to do. Yeah. But and I guess the reason I asked that question originally, Christina, is because when you're good at something, it's not hard. Like it, it doesn't mean what you're doing isn't going to be hard, but it's enjoyable. Hard doesn't equal not fulfilling. Correct. Like if you're doing something hard in an area that you're gifted in, it's actually exhilarating. It's even better. It's even better. I think it's more impactful, actually. I do. I do. Right. And Jean would have felt the same way when you're coming with to her, like, oh my gosh, I'm overwhelmed because I've got too many things on the go. I'm not sure how these are. And she's like, with her strength, with her thinking themes, able to go, yeah. oh my gosh, I can help you with that. And, right. and, and she would really enjoy supporting yes. you. Yeah. 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 She's, you know, she has retired and is still like, send stuff my way. I love that stuff. You know, ask me, ask me. And I did yesterday. I sent her some stuff. I'm like, here you go. You're really good at this. Help me out. Good for you. Good yeah. for you. Well, that's a lot of fun. Listen, if I could double back around to the communication piece for a second, how do you guys define communication or, or what is good communication? How do you define that? Okay. Well, you know, to me, communication serves a, a really huge purpose, especially, especially in parish life. And I think I go back to, um, you know, a, a goal of a, of a leadership summit where it was to, 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 um, to celebrate, to equip, and to uh, inspire. Inspire, celebrate, and equip, right? Mm-hmm. And so to me, that's a wonderful, those are wonderful goals for communication as well. So it's great to communicate events and things going on at the parish, but how are we using communication to do that, to inspire people, to equip them and to celebrate their wins, you know? So the way that changes or, or the way I've seen that change here in our parish is 
we began to include more people in the communication and more than a one-way communication, now it's more conversations and the content changes, you know? And it's almost like the more people you can invite into conversations, the better, you know? I believe, especially people who've experienced transformations of heart or, you know, anything like that, because they're so passionate that to give them that microphone, if you will, or that space in the parish update or that invitation to a conversation is just the best thing you can do. You know, as you say, contagious, right? So that that's really important. Uh, communication, not to be a one way. Yeah, sometimes not information, it has to be. right? Correct. Sometimes just information. Sometimes it, right. And sometimes it needs to be that, you know, just information. But it really needs to be a lot of conversation, a lot of listening and a lot of sharing. Um, and, and it's really important, you know, if if I can share another example, we used to, and I actually did this, it's my fault. When I, you know, in the earlier days, when I wanted to automate things, we moved the new parishioner registration form to online. Well, what ended up happening was that people, instead of coming in to ask for the paper registration, they were just going online, filling out the registration form. It would get loaded into the database and we'd never see them. We didn't know who they were. We didn't know anything about them. If they wanted to serve or something like that, it's like, oh, yes, hello. Yes, nice to meet you. And after, you know, actually, we've been doing this for two, almost three years now. I was like, you know what? We need to speak to people. We need to get to know them. We need to hear their story. And so we put a hold on the registration and we invite people into a conversation before we even give them a link to register, because it's so important to know who they are. What's your story? What's going on in your life? And let me share a little bit about my story personally, really, and what we do here in this parish, what type of community we are. I'm telling you, Ron, those conversations have been amazing, extraordinary, amazing. And now, through that, through that beautiful joy, um, Laura is doing the exact same thing with the family, family faith formation. So before families register for the program, she and her team members have a conversation with them every year. Even if they did that last year, they're going to do it again this year because a lot can happen in a year, like COVID, for example. You know, and so it's important to hear what are your challenges. You know, you're not just a line in our database, you're a person and, and you hear their challenges, you know, you do. It's, it's been one of the most gratifying and beautiful things that I've enjoyed about my ministry now in communications. You know, I love it. I absolutely love it. Boy, I'll tell you, Christina, like I'm guessing there are people listening to this and their minds are being blown because so often I hear people talk about their communication problems as a something that just needs to be fixed so it'll go away. Like it's transactional. Like people keep complaining they didn't know about this or they didn't know about that. We have a communications problem. And so they think oftentimes, and this is my experience anyway, and I'm not saying I'm right, but that nobody complaining about they didn't know what's going on is what successful communication looks like as if, you know, they're just, people are overwhelmed with different vehicles. And so, you know, part of it's what's your expectations around communication. And as I'm listening to you, there's an entire 
philosophy behind it that's way bigger than just solving the problem of one person complaining they didn't know something was going on. It's like, wow, it's way more encompassing that than that. It's way more uh, knitted in with the mission and the purpose that you Absolutely. guys share. Like, it's so exciting for me to hear you talk it about it. Yeah. And it really is so based on in building relationships, in loving people, in supporting people, because, you know, I, I'll give you just a quick example. Again, uh, a ministry could come like, for example, cornerstone retreats or whatever, you know, and of course, when it was time for the cornerstone retreat, put this flyer and make announcements every weekend because we need people to sign up. We need people to sign up. And it's like, we need to take the time throughout the year to get to know people, to build relationships with them so that when you ask them to come to a retreat, they already know who you are. They already trust you and they already know that what you're inviting them into is something worthwhile. So, for example, when we have gatherings with new parishioners, after they become registered, we have a very casual gathering in the rectory. I invite these leaders and I say, I know your retreat is not until January, but come to this get to know these new people and start building relationships with them so that when the retreat comes, they're going to know who you are. We're not just dumping flyers on them and sign up, sign up, sign up, you know. Um, it, it's, it takes patience and you really have to nurture that ground, you know. It, it takes time. It really takes time. It does. And what I'm hearing as you're speaking, and I'm sure other people are hearing it too, is you're a person, you're a people person. And, you know, your connectedness, you understand, like I see your strengths spilling into this conversation like crazy. You're connecting the dots. You see how things are interconnected. And instead of people having their blinders on, just saying, you know, announce this 15 times for me in the next two days because you need to solve my problems. You're helping them see the bigger picture and engage with people. And one of the things I laughed at at the beginning when I was saying, what's your what's your title? Your uh director of communications and evangelization. You're the only person I've ever met that has that title. And I'm thinking to myself, <laughs> Thanks to Father Patty. <laughs> <laughs> well, to his, to his brilliance, because what he saw in you was because oftentimes we take a job description and we, we fit people into the job description, but it sounds like what he's done is he's taking, he's valued you over your job and said, what's she great at and what jobs, what roles can we give her that she'll be amazing at? And, Great choice, because even as you're talking, because <laughs> uh, an evangelist is able to bring people together. So you're using your gifts to also help all these other ministries get more people in whatever it is they're doing. And that's the heart of an evangelist. They, it's not just alpha. Like, it's bigger than that. It's 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 yeah. knowing how to mobilize and invite people to take part in things. And again, that's your activator and full bloom, helping everybody win. And so I hope that uh, as you're hearing this, if you're a church leader, you're recognizing, like, put, be really curious about the people that you have around you, who God has placed on your team and around you, and and fit roles around their gifts and strengths, not just lock them into a, a job title. Because when we're using people's gifts and strengths, they love their job a thousand times more. Love way <laughs> more effective. And we have fun. I know the problem is when somebody like that leaves, it's like, it's hard to fill their job description because we built it around their personality and their charisms. But yeah. hey, yeah. ministry is messy, but to get, yeah. get ma dare to get messy and risk building yeah. things around people's gifts, not just your the hole you have on your yeah. organizational structure. 
Man. And I think what's really beautiful about that, Ron, is when you begin to see that in the other leaders, you know, when they begin, we have amazing leaders in our parish and so many of them have just embraced the whole concept and really gotten in tune to, to the culture of invitation, to this culture of transformation. And, you know, there was pushback, needless to say, definitely at the beginning, it was, and competition and, and things like that. But it's been really beautiful, especially I'd say in the last two to three years to see things beginning to come together. You know, I recall at the beginning of Renewal, hearing so much about St. Benedict and how wonderful they were. And to at times I'm like, this is like almost like an unachievable standard to be like St. Benedict. You know, reality for us is very different here. But I have to say that in the, especially this past year, boy, it is amazing to, to begin to see the fruit when you're not expecting to see it. You know, we were, we'd been looking for it for years and it's like, where is it? Where is it? And all of a sudden I feel like I come to mass and I see all these young families with their children. That means the world. That means the world. When you see these amazing leaders, you know, in Alpha, we have two extraordinary people, two people that have been in the parish for less than two years are leading virtual Alpha, you know, with passion and uh, just amazing, you know. I I just can't tell you enough how rewarding it is to, to experience that journey and to say, boy, it really does work. Eventually, you begin to see it, and it really does work. I'm so grateful that we hung in there, you know, and continue to to journey yeah. through that. Yeah. yeah, that's that's really important for people to hear, and that's why. And again, even launching into coaching, I just really believe that if I poured myself into people who are hungry, humble, and uh, had capacity then maybe just maybe they could turn a corner and i believe that to be true and and so that was my hope and, and originally i thought well i'll coach them for a year and then they'll go and i'll take somebody else on and halfway through that first year i realized something special's happening can't quite put my finger on it but there's value beyond just the sharing of information in terms of what saint benedict is doing and i started to i started to see it and experience it but i couldn't put my finger on it and i remember asking parishes as we're coming in, I'm thinking, what if half of them stayed on for a second year? I didn't know what necessarily we'd talk about as if it was a curriculum. Right, right. And uh, 10 of those 11 parishes stayed on in the second year and and also multiple years, like as as you guys did. And because it does take a long time and, and it's not easy, is it? No, it's not. And at times you tend to revert Mm. back to where you were and you have to be really careful not to do that, you know? Because it can easily happen. Um, and then new circumstances, you know, like COVID is that perfect example of something that you could never anticipate. But I have to tell you how our ministries responded to COVID was amazing. And I think it's part of the fruit of the ground that had been laid the previous years uh, of engagement, of connecting people, of transforming hearts, of Empowering leaders. Empowering leaders. Oh, my goodness. Uh, You know, for Alpha, as an example, when COVID hit, we were like, how could we possibly run Alpha without the meal? It's not going to happen, you know. And one of our guests who had been in the previous Alpha and was going to be part of the team, he was like, no, we can do this. It can be done virtually. I know it can. And he was participating in other, you know, webinars with Nikki Gumbel and Divine Renovation. And he's like, we can do this. We can do this. We can do this. And we were kind of holding him back. 
until it was like, okay, do it, do it. And he got paired up with another leader, another person who was fairly new to the parish. And they like knocked it out of the ballpark. You know, we ran three virtual alphas in that period of COVID. And it was a lifeline to so many people. It was extraordinary. Yeah. What a great example. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you define the difference now? Like you you had been with a great pastor by the sounds of it originally when you got involved. Your parish was very successful and busy and, and full. And, 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 and then you tackled it and dared to go with this new pastor and his dream and hope and, and dared to go through that. How would you how would you define those two different experiences? Like, what's the difference between those things? And, and, and which, yeah. Yeah. Just- you know what, Ron? To me, the difference is that um, we, our previous pastor, had built an extraordinary culture of welcome and hospitality here at Notre Dame and engagement, you know, people in ministry and all of that. And it was really created great, a great sense of community, if you will. Mm-hmm. Father Patty came in talking about renewal, but also talking about missionary discipleship and that what that meant, and this is when it clicked for me, is that we can't just care about us enjoying fellowship and community here. It's wonderful that we have it, but we can't just care about ourselves. There are people at the margins of the church that are not included in that fellowship, in that community, in that transformation. We need to care about them too. You know, we can't forget about us, but we need to be missionary. We need to be reaching out to the people who are not with us. And that's a very specific focus, you know, Um, very intentional and very, very, you know, a lot of energy into that. And that's where, you know, we began to really lean into Alpha because it was inviting people, you know, who were really not in our pews. And even those who were in the pews who felt like they needed to reignite their life, it was an opportunity for them. But it was just an awareness that we have a responsibility, not just to come here and enjoy the great things that Notre Dame offers. We have a responsibility to care for the life journeys of other people, be even beyond our own family members, you know? Um, so, so to me, that was the, the, the big difference that, that was the, the, the changing factor or, or the, that new focus that we are responsible. We need to care about them, you know? So for example, when we were offering programs or journeys like for divorced and separated, which we have that opportunity here. We used to invite people in the parish. You have to be a registered parishioner to be part of that journey. It's like, well, no, no, we want to offer that to anyone, anyone. It was, and, and, you know, just recently I had one of those conversations with someone who's interested to coming into the parish to register. And I'm here, I begin to say, well, have you been to our parish at all? You know, I was starting to just going to give her the spiel of Notre Dame. And she said, Well, yeah, I actually was part of that divorced and separated group. They were so welcoming and and encouraging. And they actually invited me to participate in Women's Cornerstone. So I did Women's Cornerstone and I'm on team for that. And I'm like, she's been around already for like a year and a half. And now she wants to commit herself to the parish as a registered parishioner. If we had shut the doors to this woman because she was not a registered parishioner, we wouldn't have her 
on a journey to Christ, to build her faith, to, to strengthen her faith, you know? And that's what we have to care. We have to care about people, even if they're not in our geographic area, you know? Um, because if you transform a heart, wherever they go, they're going to make a difference. You know, it'll be wonderful if they stay here and contribute and go to mass and all those things. You know, of course, that's important, but we can't really be so, so focused on their results having to be felt here. Like we have to leave that up to God too. You know, if wow. they go through Alpha and they're not ready to come to mass, that's okay. Let them continue journeying. You know, if they come to mass and begin to do that, well, that's wonderful. You know, but we, I, I, there's an, to me, there's an element of trust that we're doing what we can, but there's a movement of the Holy Spirit in these people's lives and what God wants to do through them. And, and we need to create that space and, and let it be as well. It sounds like, you know, the church itself went from living a good life to a sacrificial life. Got nothing wrong with the good life, but it, it, it's like all of a sudden it seems like that transition became sacrificial. You were willing to forego some things for the sake of reaching those that you didn't even know yet. Right. And there was pushback on that, I have to say. It's hard to, for, you know, not everyone is ready to embrace that outlook, mm. you know, but, well, that's where communication comes in, you know, and it's a journey. And how are you going to inspire them? How, you know, the witnessing, the sharing of stories, the impact. Um, By winning them over versus commanding behavioral Correct. change. It's like, no, yeah. we're, we're going to journey with our people who we love and we're going to yeah. transform them into people that God can use regularly versus yes. just church behavior. You, we're not just doing church anymore in terms of ourselves. We're on mission. Correct. Wow. And so I know that that's not easy. Is it worth it? Absolutely. It's so worth it. It is totally, totally worth it. You know, um, when when you see, um, we, we recently had a, a leadership summit and- um, Describe for people what that is. I know, clearly I know what okay. it is, but yeah. Um, yeah. A leadership summit is a gathering of parish leaders um, where we, as the leadership team, is going to have an opportunity to, again, inspire, equip, and celebrate. You know, so we couldn't do it uh, during COVID, but we did do it following COVID and all these new leaders came and it was just a wonderful opportunity to to hear again. We dedicated so much of it to hear their stories. What had happened this past year? How had COVID impacted them? We need to let them see that we care about them, that they are important. You know, we don't just care about their ministry and what they're doing for us. So it was just a beautiful opportunity of, of listening and all of that. But a wonderful thing is one of these leaders walked into our parish hall before the gathering. We had, you know, coffee and whatever. And she said, I, I all these new people, I don't recognize so many of these people. And I'm like, Marilyn, that is the biggest compliment you can pay to know <laughs> that we have a parish hall with a lot of leaders that she couldn't even recognize. And of course, Marilyn has been with the parish for many years, you know? Praise God. So, yeah. And just last week, we we're going to do an initiative in the fall and we were getting together some witness speakers and the list was there. And somebody said, I don't even know who these people are. Well, they're, they're relatively new, 
and they're ready to witness as to how their lives are, have been impacted by the parish. So uh, that's so worth it to me, Ron. It's like amazing. You know, it's extraordinary. Christina, thank you for what you and <laughs> Father Patty and your team are doing, your parish is doing. It's so inspirational. You know, I know it is not easy to go through that transformation, and it requires courageous leadership, willingness to grow personally yourself, to be the leader that God needs you to be, to to bring about that change, and then to not give up. You guys are in it now for five years. It is five years, and you said what I'm hearing you say is it's so in the last two years, maybe even last year and a year or so last one to two years. So three years of just grinding it out and growing and, and sticking to principles, even though you're not necessarily seeing the fullness of the fruit that you're hoping, but boy, you push through and you're getting to the other side. Not that you're ever really arrived, but no, you don't, (laughs) (laughs) but you're seeing fruit that that's just so glorifying to Jesus. Like it really is. It really is. It was definitely painful. Um, but so worth it and also enjoyable, you know, pain yes. and joy can coexist. So yes. Yeah. And, and it's been really, really rewarding. I'm, I'm so grateful for it and I can't wait to see what more, you know, can happen in our journey here. And for me personally, you know. So if, uh, if there's, cause I know there's, there's diocese, there's parishes getting, they're at the beginning of this phase. And, and, and there are lay people listening that have been maybe invited on a leadership team, not sure what that's going to look like or feel like, or maybe they're in the early stages of it. Just as we close, what's your, what's your hope for them? What's your word of encouragement to them? Um, Wow. That's a really good question. Um, You know, my, my, my hope for them is to truly, truly put their faith and trust in what God is calling them to do, because it really begins there. And then to to really entrust their work, their passion, their hopes and their dreams to the Holy Spirit, but also work at it. Listen to the webinars, read the books, um, just listen and, and, and seek. Seek the content, the conversations, the experiences that are going to help you transform your heart. because. That will ignite everything else from there. I mean, that's kind of what I think is a a good place to start. I don't know. I think that's very wise advice, and I'm sure loads of people will be encouraged by this conversation. Thank you for joining us today, and God bless you. Thank you, Ron, so much. I really appreciate the time. God bless. Parish renewal is not for pansies. It takes time and perseverance. Could you hear her conviction that despite the hard work and struggles, it was all worth it? If I can help you as a priest or a bishop get results that you've never gotten, yet believe are possible, please go to ronhuntley.com and let's start a conversation. We specialize in getting you as a leader really right. Thank you for listening. I want to encourage you, as you lead this week, be faithful to God and generous to others. See you next time. And remember, if you're still breathing, you are powered for impact.